He has been good, and it is a good day, right, church? It's a good day. I got Wordle in two this morning, so I knew it was going to be a good day. Um, and, and we had some arguments about, you see, I had to look at the Falcons shirt first service, and I got the Saints on the second row. But I can guarantee you, as a church of Jesus, there are no Seahawks fans in this church, <laughs> right? If you are, don't make yourself known. Um, I want to remind you, church, and Karis and I were arguing about this. We did make a collective decision as a church years ago that the Panthers were our adopted team. Now, somebody like, no, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, I'm a Packers fan. Like, wherever you came from, keep your team. We're not trying to get you to sell out. We're just saying, leave a little room in your heart. And a lot of you don't care about football. That's fine. You're a Panthers fan. All right? So we, we came to agreement as this is us as the series, and that's who we are. And I'll be honest with you, last Sunday was brutal. Like, that was one of the hardest games I've ever watched. It was no fun in that. All right? But it's a new day. And I want to remind you, church, that we are undefeated this season when I wear a Panthers shirt on stage. So we're going to keep trying stuff. I thought about, I thought about giving up on them, but then it's like if you're going to call yourselves keep pounding, you can't, you can't give up after 0-2. So it's a new day, and we'll see. Just pray harder. Um, you know, as far as we talk about this is us and who we are, here's something we're trying to get folks to do if you feel like it. Um, when, when people ask you, you know, hopefully church comes up. That's, the, that's how we measure a message. You know, if it comes up at lunch, then that was a good, that was a good thing, right? So if, if you're talking about something at work and you say, yeah, they did, we're doing this thing at our church, and somebody says, oh, where do you go to church? We want you to say, I'm a part of Relentless Church, right? Just a little word. We're not trying to get people to go here. We're trying to people to be a part of this. And some of you have been around. You know there's a big difference between going to a church and being part of a church. We planted this church nine years ago, trying to get some people to be a part and really feel a part of it. The other thing that we're, that we're talking about, because eventually some of us say, well, what's this church that you're a part of? You don't, don't, be, don't correct them. Like, I don't go to church. I'm just saying, you don't have to correct them. Just say, when they say, where do you go to church? I'm a part of Relentless Church. And most times, if it's like me, people are like, Relentless Church, that's a weird name, right? So I've just committed that I'm never going to tell somebody that I'm, I'm a part of Relentless Church and just leave it there. I'm going to go ahead and always follow it with why we call it that. So it happened Friday. Uh, I was with a new doctor, and he's asking me about what I do. And I was like, I'm not going to lie to the doctor. So I told him. Sometimes I don't tell people what I do. Um, told him I'm a pastor. Where are you, pastor? I said, Relentless Church. We call it that because God doesn't give up on anybody, right? Because if you just say Relentless Church, it's kind of weird. It's like, all right. But then I always follow it with, we call it that because God just keeps coming with his grace. He never gives up on anybody. And, and this doctor was like, I like that. Like most people do, right? So if you listen to, if you watch football today, some of the, one announcer somewhere will use the word relentless. That's free advertising for us. It's just advertising of a relentless God, and, and you're a part of that. He doesn't give up on anybody. Anybody includes you. Wherever you're at, whatever you come in the room with, really excited that you're here. If you've never filled out a Connect card with us, we'd love to know who you are. A lot of uh, new faces, which excites us as a church. Um, here's what we like to say as a church. This is us. Um, that we are becoming a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, right? We're becoming that because we have not arrived, Like right? We got a lot of room to grow, and God is working in us like he's working in you, so you're becoming something, right? You're becoming the man or the woman, um, the person that God created you to be. Um, so we're all in process, so we embrace that. Um, we're, we haven't arrived. The, the, the ones that, if, that I would fear the most for where you're at in life is the, we, if you think you have arrived, like I am everything I'm going to be. Nobody's done. I don't care how old you are, right? We're all becoming. 
and we're, this is the church that we really believe God has called us to be, and we're, we're getting there. So we do this series. We've done it every year. We call it This Is Us after the TV show, which is just amazing. Uh, me and my kid, my wife and kids are watching it. My wife and I watched it the first time, so we're watching the second time through the eyes of my kids. Um, and in our story and adoption, if you know the show, it's like it's, it's, so, it's so much better even the second time. So you don't have to care about the show. This is a series where we're just trying to say this is who we are as a church. We want to be a church that you can call it. It's, it's a we, it's a us. Here's something clever I came up with. You can't spell us without you. You like that? Work long, hard hours. Hey, hey, you. All right, I, I kind of I, I gauge everything. The first little corny joke, I kind of gauge how it's going to go because we got more coming. Um, so it's going to be a good day. So we can't, we can't do this without, without you. So this is a big series for us. Just to say, hey, if you're looking for a church, if you're new, if you want to know more about us, this is a church where we're telling what we're about. Well, we got five weeks, and there's a thousand things that we want to talk about, but we pick five. And then next week, we're going to end the series with talking about what a multi-ethnic church is. I've never had one person be like, multi-ethnic church, I don't like that, right? They don't say that, at least to my face. But when I say multi-ethnic church, we hear dozens of different things. So we're going to talk about what that means here. That's a big part of who we are, this is us. But what we're going to talk about today is foundational, all the synonyms, foundational, crucial, integral. You got another one? The source people? No. Foundational, baseline, I think like a tennis, but I like it. Um, this is not, here's the word I use, it's non-negotiable. If you're going to be a part of us, the message this morning, this, this, this has to be part of you. This is who we are becoming. Um, and we're going to look at a, um, a situation where people came to Jesus. I don't know how he felt. I want to know how you feel about this. So we're going to do a, a survey, and you're going to say a number 1 to 10, all right? So let's say you get this text from somebody tomorrow. Hey, I want you to do something for me. That's all the text says, all right? I want you to respond 1 to 10. So one is, that text doesn't bother you at all. Ten is, like, that's the worst text to get. Give me your number. <laughs> Eleven. All right. All right. Let me, I, can't, I can't. My ears don't work that way. I want you to talk. It's powerful to talk in church. Some of you have never said anything out loud in church or you think it's a sin. Today's your day. So instead of that, just, just uh, raise your hand. If you were on the one to four side, doesn't bother you. That's, that's, if you're on the six to ten side, all right, a lot of fives maybe in the room. So, um, Exactly. It all depends on who sent it. That's the key. But I'm on the I'm on the eight nine, like, because I get I, I'm I've preached about anxiety and like, if you if it's something that you want me to do for you but you don't want to just come out and ask me, there's something more to it. That's probably something bad or there's a story behind it because you would just text it. So sometimes I get that text or something like it and it's a phone call. It's like oh boy oh yeah, and then it's something like. Hey, uh, I, you know, I got you something. I got you a gift card. Can you come by the house and pick it up? Right? And I worried for nothing, right? So then I think, why couldn't you just text that? You know, that would have saved us both, all that. So that's a little bit of what is about to happen to Jesus, not with text, obviously. Um, but he's just told the disciples in Mark 10, he's just told them, I'm getting ready to get betrayed and turned over uh, to the authorities, to the chief priests, the religious people, and they're going to mock me flog me, spit on me, and eventually kill me, but, but I'm going to raise again. I'm going to rise again. Um, and the disciples, they're just not, they don't get it. Like, they, they think that he's going to come in power. There's no way they're going to do that to you. And right after that, they kind of, this happens, Mark 10, 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. All right, so they don't tell them what. We just want you to do whatever we're about. You ever had a kid do that? 
Hey, Dad, will you say yes to the question I'm about to ask you? How foolish do you think I am, right? We don't give blanket yeses before we hear the question. They say, hey, will you do whatever we ask? Now, let me take a little quick time out, all right, because I see this. I know some of you are struggling, um, and I see the same attack in 2023 that we see in the very beginning of Genesis when, when the enemy came to Eve in the garden and, and, and Satan comes with, did God really say that? There's so much attack of Scripture today, right? So this, this comes up with this Scripture in Mark 10. Um, because it says James and John came and asked Jesus this. Well, in Matthew 20, it's what seems like a similar account, and it comes with um, the mother of James and John came and asked Jesus. So you got stuff all over. I saw it where, hey, we found a contradiction. We've been looking. We found it. It's all, it's all bogus. You're believing a bunch of lies, Christians, because there's a contradiction. Because in Matthew 20, it was the mom. In Mark 10, it was James and John. So they both can't be true. So, well, Scripture, you know, just trying to, did God really say, because if, if, that's, if that's a contradiction, then maybe none of it's real, and maybe we're just building, believing a bunch of junk. Listen, words mean things. Contradiction means it's contradicting, right? There is an account in Matthew that says the mom asked. But that does, it, what a contradiction would be is if Matthew says the mother of James and John went to Jesus by herself and asked, or James and John went to Jesus and the mother didn't say a word. It doesn't, it's, there's no contradiction. What most likely happened this smart, right? You go to ask Jesus something, they're about to ask him, and they're like, Mom, you come with us. He likes you, right? So they're all three there. Who does the talking? We don't know who does it first because we have Matthew and Mark's accounts. They're complementary. They're not contradictory. And the enemy is using little details that don't make sense to make people wonder, can I trust any of this stuff? So most likely they asked the question, and then they didn't, they didn't love Jesus' answer, and then Mom stepped in. It's like, did you do it for me? So let's get to what they're asking. All right, here's what they say. Um, or Jesus responds, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, like, just get it out there. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, we lose a little bit here uh, in translation because what's it talking about right and left? It, it's, it's, it's positions of power. They really believe, even though Jesus has been so clear, they really believe we're about to get our citizenship back. They're, they're oppressed by Romans. We're about to take things over. Jesus is the Messiah, the one to come and conquer things and free the Jewish people. And when you, you're, you're talking like you're, something big's about to happen, when it does, you're going to need a right-hand man. In that culture, the right-hand, the, the vice president kind of thing would be to your right, third would be left, and they're coming and saying, hey, we're, we're your guys. Like, we want position. We want power. Uh, you know, we even brought our mom with us, like, come on, like, pick us, pick us. You're the man, but you need some people right there um, with you. And let, me, let me caution some of you. Some of you have been around. You know where this story goes. And don't think, don't think it drives me nuts when, you know, we're doing something as a family, and one of my kids is like, yeah, I've heard this before. That's the most irrelevant thing to say when you're studying Scripture. Right? It's irrelevant. It's a living and active. If you know where this story goes, God wants to speak to you today, fresh. If you have no idea the rest of the story, God wants to speak to you fresh. So Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? No, they asked that, and he said, and they told him, you got all that. So then the conversation goes back and forth. Jesus basically says, he's real polite, says, that's not for me to grant. Like, you, you don't know what you're talking about right and left. Like, basically a really polite no. Verse 41, when the ten heard this, who are the ten? That's the other disciples. There's ten plus two makes twelve, James and John. There's the ten. They became indignant, which means really mad with James and John. Now, what Scripture doesn't tell us is why they're mad, but we can deduce what they're so angry about, right? You want to give them the benefit of the doubt and think, you know, maybe, 
Maybe they're mad because they put uh, Jesus in a tough spot. That's a, why would you ask that? Come on, guys, don't do that to Jesus. But we know from Jesus' response that we'll get in a second why they were mad. They were mad because they got beat to the punch. They're mad because, oh, we didn't know we could ask that. We were all thinking it. We know he's going to pick some of us. Like, somebody's going to be the class president, right? He's going to get to pick. He's going to come. Like, it's got to be. And James, like, how can y'all do that? Well, you can't go ahead of us. It's not time for that. We wait till he does what he's about to do, and then we can have that conversation. But you can't. You, you, you jumped the gun. And they're so mad. Like, the disciples, these guys that Jesus handpicked and trained and discipled for years, they're mad because they would have the audacity to, to jump the gun and ask this huge question of who's going to. Everybody can't sit at the right and the left. There's only two seats. And James and John jumped in front, and they're mad about it. And then we get Jesus saying this. Jesus called them together and said, and if you'd study, uh, like there's more to that in the Greek. It, it, the example I read was that it's kind of like a face-to-face. It made me think of like a coach helmet-to-helmet or face-to-helmet, like getting in somebody's face. That's a little bit. It's not like, hey, can y'all come here to say It's like Jesus like, no, 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 no. Come close. Everybody needs to hear this. This is big. It's foundational for the church of Jesus and how we're supposed to function. Here's what he says. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He's talking about something that hasn't changed, power structures. He's talking about what people do when they get the title, when they get the job, when they get the position, when they're calling the shots. He's saying, guys, you see how it works in the world. Gentiles were non-Jews. You see how it works in the world. When people get power, they, they exercise it, they flaunt it, um, that's, that's what people do. The, the phrase that we would have in our culture would be power hungry, right? And, I, and I, I'll read these real quick, some examples of power hungry. It's the list, 10 warning signs that you're a power hungry leader, and it's kind of written to pastors, but you can Google that and you can get the list. Um, but you place your job above, or ministry above your family. So these are signs that you're power hungry. Jesus is talking about power hungry. Your public life is more important to you than your private life. You use your title more than your name. You're always thinking about the assumed greener grass. You remind people of your pedigree and accomplishments. You speak critically about leaders who hold the positions you want. You look for wrong and weakness in people who disagree with you. You network only with people who can help you gain position and prestige. You hire yes people to support your position. You get jealous when others have information you don't have. Now, I'm trying to get you to look inward. Some of you are moaning and groaning about your boss that you're thinking about. Yeah, that's them, all right? They're not here. Maybe they are here. I don't know. Um, but let's, let's talk about, about you. So, so we play this card culturally. So nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Like I'm the boss, or I got the power, or I'm elected, or I'm um, whatever. You don't have what I have. You don't have my position. You don't have my degree. Maybe you don't have my skin color. Maybe you don't have my gender. Like this, this, this card is easy to find. You know, it's a, it's a, today we would just say simmer down, kind of know your role kind of conversations in whatever context. We live in a culture that lets everybody know who, who's in charge and who has the power. And that's what Jesus was highlighting. He's like, you guys know how this works. You guys are so mad because you didn't get the position and the power. You know how this works. In, in the world, then and now, when people get power, like, they tend to abuse it, right? And there's a lot of stories and quotes about that. But the next four words Jesus says are the most important words of our time together today. And I want you to participate. So as soon as, I'm going to read the beginning of the verse. As soon as the four words come on the screen, I want you to read them out loud. All right. So Jesus said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Your turn. 
Thank you. Right? He's, he's flipping everything on his head. This was 2,000 years ago before there was a church. Right now, we're his church. This is us. We're a church of Jesus. And he's saying, there's going to be a church with my name on it that's going to change the world, change the globe, that you can find people in every continent, rich and poor, north and south, east and west, all kinds of languages, villages, um, socioeconomic, and they all are united by one common thing, that there was a man who wasn't just a man who lived on the earth, died on a cross, and actually defeated death, and will come back and get his church. When that thing exists, the church of Jesus we're going to do things upside down. We're not going to exercise power. We're not going to condemn. We're not going to look down on people. We're not going to abuse people. We're going to use power in a completely different way. It's not going to be like this with you. And then he says, instead, right? So he's, he's saying there's a contrast. He's constant, the worldly system that is so hungry for power. That's easy to find out here. It's supposed to be hard to find in here among the people of Jesus, if that's what you would call yourself. So he's, he's about to give us what instead looks like. So this is the opposite system that we're built on, church, right? And I don't care what kind of church, you know, you experience whatever or whatever. There's all kinds of bad stories. According to Jesus, this is what we're supposed to be. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, I'll stop there a second, because some of us still, we, we came in a system where greatness was a sin. Like if you want to be great, that that's a negative. According to Jesus, it's not a negative. Some of you, I know some of your stories, like you got greatness within you. Some of what you're doing with your occupational life, what you've done, what you've fought through, what you've overcome. Some of our young people in our room, like what we want for you is greatness. We're not, we're, you know, not greatness by the world's title. I'm bad at this. When I see somebody I hadn't seen in a while, you know, we, we had a, a, a kid, I call him a kid. He's graduated college that used to be with us at the theater and he came back from college. He was in first service. He distracted me. I was like, is that him? Yeah, that's him. So I was talking to him, you know, and when, when, some, when some young person tells me their title, I'll be like, ooh, executive director. Ooh, you know. When we, we, what we want for you young people is, is greatness according to Jesus. And I just want you to see Jesus is not giving any negative shade to the idea of wanting to be great. He's saying, no, there's going to be a, something, a desire in some of you to be great. It is God-given and God-directed, but he gets to define what greatness is. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Mm. And whoever moan, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So this is us, church. Greatness here is defined by our serving. Because that's how Jesus defined greatness. So if we're going to be a great church, and I pray that we are, that we're becoming a gospel center, forever focused, multi-ethnic movement, I'd like for us to be a great church. Well, a great church is made up of churches in a building, it's people. For us to be a great church, we got to be full of people that are great according to Jesus who, who get the heart of, of serving. And now, let me take another timeout. It's my second timeout. How many timeouts do I get in a message? Five? I get both halves? Okay. Um, so let me take a timeout and just to help you study the Bible. Because that word is, is, is a cringe word. Like it says, Jesus saying greatness is by becoming a slave. Right? What we have to do is we have to study, we have to go back and 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 use scholars of, you know, what slave means um, in, in Mark, translated to English, is not what we think of as slave. The kind of slavery that happened here is not the kind of slavery they were talking about in the first century. Completely different. The main difference is the slavery he's alluding to was voluntary, right? That's not the slavery that we know, right? We know a slavery that was kidnapping and awful and bringing over the ocean and, and forcing to work without paying and all the other awful things. That's not what 
That's not what Jesus is referring to when he says become a slave of all. In that culture, there was no bank. If I was in debt, right, I couldn't get a loan. If I was in debt and couldn't pay to feed my family, I would go to one of you and say, hey, would you, would you make me your slave and would you pay off my debt? I'll work for you. And it was voluntary. It was an agreement and that I could get out of uh, at some point. It wasn't any kind of like forever slaveness. So that changes how you read that, right? There's some people that don't even trust the Bible because they, they heard the Bible was pro-slavery, which is just so far from the truth. We get to do the study and do the work to know, because again, that's another way uh, people are helped. Like, is, did, did God really say, if you don't trust that his word is his word, then a lot of this uh, falls apart. So we just got to do the work to know what words mean. And that does describe uh, it, uh, what he's talking about. It is a mindset. Right? We like to say over around here, we like to say it's a lifestyle, not a list. Right? So to, to serve, because what we could do is, okay, we've got a big service project, church. You ever done service projects? We're going to do it on October whatever, and if you listen to this message, you're going to sign up, and you're going to go weed eat somebody's yard. We're going to all serve, and that's great, but it's, it's not a, in college, where I went, Kentucky Christian University, they, they had us do community service hours every semester, and it was so the opposite of what Jesus was talking about. It'd be the last week of the semester in exams. Have you gotten your hours? No, we got to find somewhere we can serve all week because you got to get your hours in. You won't graduate, right? And it was, had nothing to do with serving God or loving people. It had to do with graduation, right? It was a list. It was a box we checked. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He said greatness is not the person who gets the most hours in. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle of wherever I am, whatever room you put me in, I'm looking to serve. Because I was thinking about that with my own family, you know, my own kids. And it's like, what could we do this week? It's, no, we're not trying to go do anything. It's wherever you go, at practice, on your team, in a, in a classroom, in your home. I, I got us, my oldest is working this afternoon. He's got a shift at TJ Maxx. And, and the, the call is not for him to not go to work so he can go serve somebody. It would be to be a servant at work. You could put a Christian, a follower of Jesus in any situation, any neighborhood, any job. And what you're going to get is somebody looking and asking, how can I serve? people. That, that's greatness according to Jesus. Now, there's some things in life that just don't go together. Can we agree? Pimento cheese honey pepper sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Nobody, terrible? You tried that? It's good? You don't need to try it. You've had it? Two thumbs up, one thumb up. Oh, we got a bunch of haters on. Like, I don't go to Chick-fil-A for pimento cheese. Can we take a detour for another time out, third time out? Because we had to, this man, this man tried to take my North Carolina card. Raise your hand if you know what hoop cheese is. Hoop cheese. See, what? All right, so that was, it was more than second, more than first service. I must put it at 62% this service. All right, so because he's like, you don't know what hoop cheese is and you're from North Carolina? I was like. Nobody knows what hoop cheese is. So my wife came in. This was before service. My wife came in for the 9 o'clock. I sat beside her and said, Kel, you ever heard of hoop cheese? She said, yeah. I'm like, no. <laughs> I never heard of hoop cheese. So anyway, pimento cheese, we don't go to Chick-fil-A for that. Those things don't go together. All right, you're, some of you people are like, what is hoop cheese? What is hoop cheese? All right, no, he told me. He told, it's, it's cheese that's really good. Get this man a microphone. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not really that important. Hey, Raph, if you would be available after service just to give the full tutorial about. If you're going on the men's retreat, Raph said he will bring some hoop cheese. Barbecue, 
the, the, the point was, <laughs> the point was things that don't go together. And this is, let me, let me be your pastor for a second. This is, this is, this is my concern for us. This is us. This is a specific to Relentless of my observation. When I say us, I mean you and the Jones, me and the Jones family and you and your family. My concern for us living the greatness life that he's calling us to here is specifically busyness. And like pimento cheese and Chick-fil-A don't go together for me, the busy life and the servant life don't go together because it's an availability. It is a, it is a mindset. And when we're so busy and so scheduled and so everywhere, which again, you, you have control over your own schedule more than you realize, it's really hard to, to be ready to serve because we've got to get from here to here and it's like, just get out of my way. And it's just, it's not, uh, it's not conducive for the, God, the life that God has called us to. It's approaching life with this question. How can I serve to the glory of God in whatever situation, wherever you are? How can I serve to the glory of God? Now, you got to notice the glory of God part because it's easy if you're a servant of Jesus. I want to be great how Jesus said, and it's easy to get run over. It's easy to get abused. It's easy to get mistreated, to get minimized, to get all kinds of ugly things, right? That is not to the glory of God. God does not receive glory when you are mistreated by someone because you put yourself out there. Now, that's a fine line. Sometimes serving isn't come with all the good feelings, and we're still called to serve, but it has to be for the glory of God. It's not glorify God if, you, if you're in a toxic situation or relationship or any of that kind of stuff. So let's, let's figure out what it looks like to live that lifestyle. How can I serve in this situation, these people, to the glory of God? Um, it's a, it's a you first attitude. It's so countercultural. It's a, how can I put you ahead of me attitude, right? Um, how can I bless you? That's, that's how you live life. How can I bless you? This is one of the most freeing things. We'll talk about freedom later. One of the most freeing things It's all these things in our minds is I know what it's like. I sat out here and listened to Joy and Raph preach. I know how some of our minds are all over the place. You've got so many things in your mind. How simple is it? Here's my life. How can, how can I bless somebody? How can I bless you? That's what I'm here to do. And it's, you know where it gets really beautiful? It's what in a Christian marriage, if two Jesus followers marry each other and they decide, I'm going to outserve you, you're not going to outserve me. And the other one says, no, I'm going to outserve you. And it becomes, don't let it become an argument. Some of you are so competitive, you'll make it an argument. <laughs> but it, it's beautiful to see husband and wife, oh, she's not going to outserve me. Oh, he's not going to outserve me. Like that's uh, the gospel beautifully in marriage. You know who I think about when I talk about just this pure lifestyle? I think of my mother-in-law who was in first service, so I can tell you the real stuff this service. Um, her name's Luann Wilson. Most of you know her as Nanny. Um, I've known her almost my whole life, um, and most people know her here. Um, last week, I was talking to somebody uh, after first service, and they were saying, man, I've been here a while. There's still so many people that I don't know, and I was like, me too, man. Me too. That's a good thing, and then right then, Nanny walked through the doors. I said, have you met Nanny, and he's like, how can you be here 15 minutes and not know Nanny? That's a good point. But you know what? This is true about Nanny. It should, if Nanny moves into your neighborhood, your property value will go up because she is the best neighbor. She's got neighbors on both sides. Uh, one of them is a woman like 184 years old, um, and she can't hear, so you have to yell at her, and she is not thankful. And, Nanny, and, and sometimes the family is like, Nanny, why are you? She takes her to the doctor. Uh, she takes her shopping. She spends time with her because she lives by herself, and she's not thankful. And Nanny doesn't care because it's who she is, right? Serving is not something you go and do. This servant heart that Jesus says is great 
is who you are in whatever situation, right? How blessed would the greater Wake County area be, because all of you live somewhere, if your property value went up because everybody wants Nanny to live in their neighborhood because you're going to be taken care of. Let me, let me offend you. Can I do that? That's more fun, right? You've listened better when I offend you. What does it look like to put everybody ahead of yourself and be a servant on Interstate 40? I think it's everywhere we go, including behind the wheel, right? How can, how can I put your needs ahead of mine? It's not that hard to let somebody out. You know, you're leaving a, sta- leaving a stadium or something, and everybody's letting somebody out. Don't let everybody out because then you never get anywhere. But, like, Christians should be like, I'm going to let somebody out. That's, like, that's what I'd want somebody to do, right? This, this is us, church. This is we're trying to, and we got room to grow, and it starts with leadership. We're trying to become a church where we're the great that Jesus talked about, right? Leaders at our church should be known by one thing, how well they serve, right? We have a, a prayer and care team. One of the beautiful things about this year, we've become a pray, becoming a praying church. If you put a prayer request into our website or into the prayer box over here, you, um, you get prayed for. There's people that will pray for you. And it's not just prayer. It's also um, not just prayer. Prayer. I really believe if we could spend one day on the, on the, in the next life and then come back, I would never have to preach on prayer. I think if we could spend one day in the next life and we could see how powerful prayer and how much prayer absolutely changes lives on this earth, then we would never have to be motivated to pray again. So we pray for people and we take care of them, right? That's part of the serving is how can I serve you, right? So uh, when a request comes in of somebody, we're looking for people to build that team. So here's what we've done. Uh, We don't have members here. We have partners so if anybody says, yeah, I'm a member at Relentless Church, they're lying to you. We have zero members. We have partners, and we use that word strategically. Um, and we have a partner. The, the way you be- get to hear more about that is something called Welcome to Relentless. Uh, that's some of your next step. I don't know who. If you've never been or you've been you don't even remember, you'd be like, I don't know if I'm a partner or not. We'd love to have you Tuesday night. We just want you to sign up. We've got child care. We're going to have some snacks. It's a great, one of my favorite nights. We do it three or four times a year. Um, so it's the first one since July, I think. So we'd love to have you. So I have a partner list. Uh, you know, we have a partner list for the first time because, you know, we keep it, we've kept it up to date when people move away. You know, they can still be partners, but not really if they don't live here, right? So we have over 70 partners, which is really encouraging to have 70 people that have put their name like I'm with this church, and I'm, we have pillars of partnership. We'll get into all that. So that's Tuesday night if you want to know more. Um, but with the, um, what we decided is if you're a partner at Relentless, you've just joined the, the prayer and care team. You didn't even get a choice. Because we thought, hey, if you're a partner here, you want the prayer request, and you want to help take care of people, right? So when a request comes in, sometimes there's a lot of things on those things that people need. So we're looking for people that will sign up and say, hey, I like to fix cars. I like to do this or that. We're going to be building some teams. So whatever the need is, we got some people that God has gifted to serve the body and serve each other that, that way. So it's meals. It's a lot of things. Um, and you don't have to do it all, right? It's not all on you. We, the reason we have I'm excited about 70-plus partners is that those needs should be shared and spread out. There's an there's a old um, nasty stat in, uh, in churches. You've probably heard it that tw- 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Yeah, right, and some of you have found that to be true. So we've tried for nine years to not be that church, um, and I don't know the percentages. It's not 20%, but we can grow in that, right? And again, the work, it sounds like a chore. It's for, for people that get what Jesus is saying, it is it is it is. It is a privilege and a blessing to get to serve. And we want to spread that out because there are boundaries and health with this, right? Some of you, are going to, I know how some of you are. You're going to hear this message, 
Um, you're, you're doing a lot already in the church and in life and community, and you're going to feel guilty, which is not from God, and you're like, oh, i got to do more, right? You really don't. You really probably need to do less and let some people that are around you, right, step up to the plate so we can share this thing. And we can, you know, we can talk about the same stuff all the time, um, and sometimes I try to stay away from gimmicks, but I almost did a gimmick. Joy's here. The staff's like, that's not a good idea. At our, at our old church, that I worked at, we did a gimmick. So our needs, we've told you, we, when we uh, came through the pandemic and people started coming back, guest services, we just need more. It's really important if you're here for the first time. I hope you felt very welcomed. So we need more people at, uh, at doors. Um, we need more people in RC Kids, preschool, elementary, and nursery. We're looking for folks. So the church that I previously worked at, we had chairs like you're in, but there was a gym on Saturday. So every Saturday night, there was different chair teams that would come in, unstack the chairs, set them up in rows, um, and we did it as small groups. It was kind of fun. But we got to a place where it just wasn't getting done, and we were begging people, hey, can anybody come help do chairs? Because for one person to do it would take hours. Right? So what we did there is one Sunday we came in, and all the chairs were on the wall, right? kind, of as a, kind of as a little, hey, you know, that chair didn't set itself up. Everybody had to go get their chairs and set it up. It was awful for me because I like straight rows, and like the rows were so ugly that day. <laughs> But we got some help with the chair team, so it worked, so it was effective. So my idea with the staff was, hey, let's just do a Sunday with no RC kids. But all the kids being all the preschoolers, all the babies, if Jesus could teach with all that, I can teach with all that, right? But it's like, that's not really who we are. We're not trying to, you know, make a point that way by some of you, this is your favorite hour of the week just because <laughs> you got a little break from the little ones, and, and we're glad for that. But I say that to say, instead of being a gimmick and I got to do the song and dance and beg and all that, we just are trying to create a culture where we're great according to Jesus, where you're like, if there's needs, I'm about that. I'm going to be, I have boundaries. I'm not going to, you know, overcommit, but I'm looking, I'm excited. I just want somebody to tell me how to serve, what to do, what do you need? Because we'll, we would love to have those conversations, but it's not, it's not just a list like, hey, do this. It's a lifestyle. It's wherever God takes you. Right? It's not, let's not be so Sunday specific. Let's be Monday through Saturday, living the life of a servant. That's greatness, according to Jesus. And even, even at Relentless Church, since we're talking about us, let me talk about us. Last week was an enormous week for us, if you were here. We installed our first group of elders, uh, four guys and myself. And it, it talked about sharing that. Like it was just a big, big step and a beautiful step. My, my mentor, Dean Troon, was here. Um, to, to be a part of that. He flew back to Arizona Monday. He texted me. This is how bad it is. He texted me. Landed safe Monday night. Landed safe. Sorry about your Panthers. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a powerful Sunday, so we've got stuff on the website if you want to know more about the elders. But our elders are, are men, and I know that that's been challenging and a struggle for some of you that our elders are men. And to be honest, it's been challenging for me as we as we work through that, and, and how we got there is, so when I talk about that word slave and the, and the Greek and all that, and you can do the homework to see what words mean, the, 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 the way that these, these texts about leadership in the church, it's just more complicated than the thing about slave was. So we did our best to pray and seek God um, about what we're supposed to be, and we landed on um, our elders, our male, but... If we're going to represent the name of Jesus, whatever the positions and titles, whatever it is, what has to be is a place where women specifically, we know from Jesus, where women specifically 
Godly leadership looks like empowering. It looks like lifting up. It looks like defending. It looks like blessing. It does not look like, I'm a man, do what I say, lord it over you, submit. Like any, if you've ever heard somebody jokingly or not say, submit woman, that's not funny to Jesus because that's not what it means, and that's not what he said. It's upside-down leadership, that the leaders should be the best servants, and women at Relentless Church should be blessed. Empowered. They should feel this is different than what I feel at my job or what I feel wherever. So how do we get there? Because are we there? Well, it's really not for me, a man, to answer that question. So what I did, and I was nervous about this, I went to that partner list, um, and I just prayed about it and started to call some women that are partners at Relentless Church, and I just had this conversation. Um, hey, I'm trying to get a group. This isn't a one-on-one thing. I'm trying to get a group of women together so we can have a conversation about what would it look and feel like to you for women to be empowered and loved and uplifted at your church. Like, that's, that's not a very high bar. That's who Jesus was, and that's who he was. All the stuff he did with women that were so countercultural, he didn't give them titles and positions, but he definitely involved them and used their gifts to the glory of God. That's what Jesus' church should be. So instead of me, as a man, coming up with a plan how to do that, I, I, I called uh, a list of these women and just gave them that deal. I was like, would you collectively, not individually, but collectively come and have a conversation with me about what that could and should look like at Relentless Church, right? And I got like 90% yeses. I still got a few people to talk to. If you're a partner here and you'd like to be a part of that conversation, let me know. It's just going to be a conversation that I don't lead. I just listen because I've never, not one day have I ever been a woman, right? I just want to hear like, what, what, what could we do better? Maybe what could we stop doing that we don't, that I don't think about as a male that's not great um, to to be the church that I just described, all right? So that's what we're trying to get to, and we will get to there. If you're a praying person, pray for that meeting and the people involved. And I don't know if it's going to be a series of conversations. We're just going to let God lead where he takes us and so, we can, so I can know confidently from women, no, we are a church where you feel all the things that God would want you um, to feel. As far as, let's talk about men, as far as this scripture of greatness, because this came up this week. We got our men's retreat last Sunday was the deadline. And we had these spots left. We got all of our spots. So 40 spots were full. We were so excited. It's the biggest men's retreat we'll ever have. Um, is that right? Sixth and seventh. Sometimes I think it's fifth and sixth. Sixth and seventh. It's a Friday, Saturday. Not this week, but next week. So uh, Raph and Seth and I went down to Fort Caswell this week because I need to see the place to know because it's just I'm really excited about what God's going to do. We got young and not so young. It's just a great group in so many ways on this, and we're going to have hoop cheese. It's going to be awesome. Um, so we went to see the place, and um, it was a little different than I'd understood on the phone. Um, I went to these rooms. There's a bunch of bunk beds, right? So in, in, there's four bunk beds in one room, so that's sleep eight. There's five and another ten. So we got a, little, a few more beds than I thought we had. But then on each, we got two levels of this building. Uh, on each level, there's a, like a suite that's got two normal beds and their own bathroom. I'm like, oh, man, we got to figure out who gets that. Pastor's suite, right? Um, and and some, of, some of you, like, because you're so, you love me, some of you would be like, you come to me after church, like, Pastor, you had a stroke. Take the good bed, right? And I could, unless I want to be like Jesus. That's the only thing. Because Jesus is so clear. Greatness is, hey, somebody else needs So I've thought about a lot of ways. There's those four nicer beds. Some guys don't need to be in a bunk bed. So I thought, let's give the four oldest dudes those four beds. 
And I thought, no, we could give the four fattest dudes. Okay. <laughs> or or this, would be a, this, would be a, this would be a tight competition. The four loudest snorers just make them suffer together, <laughs> right? We could do that. But none of that, none of that sounded exactly right. So we're just trying to flip the script. So um, we have a few more beds than we thought, so we've reopened the sign-up. So here's my, here's my offer to you, men. There's somebody in there who's like, I didn't know about that, or I would like to go. You need to be uh, 16 and up. We've got some father-sons, but you don't have to go with your father-son. It's not a father-son retreat. It's a men's retreat. Um, if we get four people that sign up today, you get the good bed. All right? So that's the deal. And you're like, wait a second. That's not right. That's not fair. Because I could have done the first four people that signed up, right? That would be fair, but the gospel's not fair. And we don't want the gospel to be fair. We, we're, not, we're, we're just not going to be the, uh, you're never going to see a, a pastor's parking space at Relentless Church. We're supposed to be the opposite of the power, structure, hunger that the world exhibits. In Jesus' church, we've got to follow the example of Jesus, who was the ultimate servant. Remember the night that he was arrested and the day before the crucifixion, he brought all of his key leaders that were going to start this church that we continue today. These, these, these men, and he washed their feet, and he got to Peter, and Peter said, no, you can't, no, you're Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash my, your feet, then you got no part of me. And then Peter's like, oh, well, wash all of me then. And Jesus no, thanks, Peter. You're missing the point. I don't need to, I don't need to wash all of you. I'm just going to wash your feet because that's what's dirty. And then he says, I'm doing this. Understand what I'm doing here. I'm setting an example. You're going to lead this thing. I'm setting an example. I'm the king of kings, all right? I'm the son of God, and I'm washing your feet. Think about that. That's what Jesus leaders and Jesus people are supposed to do in the church, outside the church. That's who we are. That's who we're trying to be. He finished uh, going back to Mark 10. The next thing he said after he, he said what greatness is, it's serving and slave, uh, being a slave. Mark 10, 45, he said, even the Son of Man, that's a name for himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? That's, that's not fair that the one who never sinned would give his life as a ransom for all of us who did. Ransom is, is, a, is a debt. You have a debt that you can't pay. No matter how good you are, no matter how hard you try, you can't get rid of your sin. Jesus and his perfection went and died that death for us. He paid our ransom. He said, look, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing, right? I'm the son of God. I could play the king of kings card, serve me. I'm not here to, serve, to be served. I'm here to serve others. And my people will be known because they know what greatness is. My church will be known as one who blesses neighbors and community. That's who we are. This is us. This is who we're trying to be. We're going to do this uh, small group that O'Neill mentioned. It's a big deal for our church. Some of you feel like, man, I'm not really connected. Serve somewhere at Relentless and get in on small groups. It'll be a whole different experience for you. Um, and let me give you a Galatians verse because we're going to study Galatians. But let me just jump to 513. Uh, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another with love. So that's what freedom is. It says freedom is not doing what you want to do. Freedom is giving up your rights. That's, does that make sense? How free is I got rights. I get to go first. I was here before you. Jesus said, no, greatness is letting people go ahead of you. Freedom is giving up your rights. You don't use your freedom to, to, to serve the flesh, but to serve one another through love. That's what we do. It's freed up. Some of you, you're way down. You, you're not bad people. You want to serve. Maybe it's your schedule and your busyness. Maybe it's just a, a, an intimacy with Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more freed he, like, I don't have to 
conquer the world. I don't have to do all these things. I just got to serve somebody. That's what Jesus is going to call you to do. So first service, I don't know if they really understood this message because I told them if you really listen to me, you're going to let everybody out in the parking lot. You're not going to go ahead of anybody, right? You can't go cut in front of somebody after this message. But they all left, I guess, because you guys got in here. So it's, it's figuring out what this looks like in the everyday life of your life and the everyday life of our church, right? We're going to be built on serving. Our leaders are going to be known for how can I bless you? How can I serve you? Just complicated lives we live. That's a, that's a simple, simple, beautiful way to live. I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to pray us on out of here. Father, I pray for those in the room that maybe not be walking with you, that they would know the freedom that comes, just the beautiful freedom that I just get to serve people and let your love flow through me. God, none of us are perfect at that, but thank you that we have Jesus who was perfect. God, I pray it would be true that we would be a great church. It would be a church that's just, what are the needs? What are the needs in the church? What are the needs outside the church? I just want to be great. We just want to be great. Help this be true of who we are and how we love our community and each other. God, we pray a special prayer on Andy Dalton today. In Jesus' name we pray and go. Amen.